Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you to those who are participating in this month's technology challenge and contacting me about how it's going for you. I've had a fun time highlighting you on my Insta stories. And we still have another week and a half left of the of the challenge. So in case you are confused, this started with my podcast a few weeks back on technology. It's how to use it, not abuse it. And I've linked that in the show notes for you. You can see more about the weekly challenges I'm doing on Instagram. And I'm there at About Progress. My Facebook is also About Progress, and my blog is aboutprogress.com, where you can access past episodes or read the other things that I share there. Let me tell you who you'll be hearing from today. 
Celeste Davis is the wife of Matt Davis, who I interviewed on episode 19. Off the air, he told me about his wife, and I knew we needed to have her on. At age 19, Celeste found herself with an abandoned modeling career and a divorce. Life was not what she had expected it to be. But instead of wallowing in her pain, Celeste chose to own her struggles pick up the pieces, and move on to better things. After her marriage with Matt and their first child, Celeste was again met with unexpected trials, including postpartum depression and later miscarriages. She shared the surprising thing that got her out of her depression, and a hint there is Mrs. Congeniality, and she shared what she believes about the power of good girlfriends and the lessons she learned about how it's never too late to make more of your life and yourself. On to our interview. Hi, I'm here with Celeste Davis. Hi, Celeste. Hey, how are you, Monica? Good. I'm so excited to have you on. I like I would like you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, listeners. <laughs> I I'm Celeste Davis. If you listen to my husband's podcast episode with Monica, I'm the wife of Matt Davis. And um I live in Las Vegas. I have four kids, an eleven year old girl. A almost seven-year-old boy, a um, just turned three-year-old boy, and almost two-year-old boy. So those last two are my almost Irish twins. Yeah, they and, are. Yeah, that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah. <laughs> and they're great, and it's fun, but it's a really busy time of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I I have in the past done wedding cakes and I'm eventually going to get back into that again. I'm a baker. I'm a exercise enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Do those two go hand in hand? I, it's a weird, <laughs> awkward relationship they have, but um, I love going to concerts and I don't know. <laughs> That's who I am right now. That's great. There's so much I want to dig in there. Uh, this The interview that you mentioned with your husband, it was such a, a, a life changer for me. And I know for so many people who listened in, I, I think especially, um, I hope more men listen to that one as well. But yeah. interwoven to so much of what he said was you, his wife. And when we were <laughs> not recording, he's like, you got to interview Celeste. And he told oh, me no. a little bit about you. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I do. <laughs> um, he told me some of your stories. So I want to hear what that story is from you and um, just how life has been and how you've progressed through it and the challenges you faced and and what you've learned from them. So that's like a huge loaded question right there. So how about we start back to what what was life like before you met Matt and, and okay. yeah, go from there. Maybe right, way so- before Matt, I guess. Yeah, we can. Let's go back in time. Yeah, let's go um, back in time. <laughs> I, um, I'm just a Utah girl, born and raised, I guess, and um, had kind of always had a loose plan for my life, and not a ton. I mean, now they have, but like growing up, I felt like education wasn't something that was stressed as much as it has been in like some of my other friends families Mm -hmm. um all my sisters went to college and then got married before they graduated all of them have since gone back and graduated after they've had their kids but for me I just I kind of had some opportunities to do some modeling or attempt to do some modeling and 
I was just going to make a billion dollars modeling and that was going to be my ticket to, so college to me wasn't like something that I had hoped and dreamed and planned and saved for. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, you know, you're <laughs> six feet tall and 130 pounds and no longer menstruating and they want you to lose like 10 more pounds, it's kind of not really realistic. And, wow. Um, How old were you and at so, that point? Oh, I mean, that was uh, like I dabbled and tried to build portfolio during mm-hmm. high school and then after – I graduated. I was like, okay, I'm doing this now. And, um, so 18, no, I, I graduated at 17. So I was young. Yeah. Anyway. That's hard. And then, um, yeah, that was kind of a, I don't know. I don't think I internalized it as mm-hmm. much as a lot of girls would. It was more just like, I struggled with it, but it was more just I kept batting my head up against the same walls and I was like, okay, when are you going to learn that mm-hmm. this is not what needs to happen in your life? I see. So anyway, amidst all that, all my friends have gone off to college and, um, and I was kind of trying to decide, okay, well, if I'm not going to model, what am I going to do? And right in the middle of that, I met my ex-husband and, um, we, um, we got married when I was 19 and divorced before I was 20 so that was real quick <laughs> yeah uh, no, that, you were so young though I'm sure there was LDS a lot going on there yeah there was mm-hmm. there was a lot um I'm LDS and I married him in the temple under you know and when you do that there are certain expectations and that kind of an understanding of well this is how we're going to live our life and these things will happen and these things will not happen and kind of ever since we stepped out of the temple it was like a Jekyll and Hyde and, um, okay. and there were, I, this was not what I signed up for at all. And there were red flags before, but I was stupid and young. And, um, and so there, I, I don't even know. I don't want to really go into it just cause sure. I really don't want to like drag. I'm at a good place with him mentally mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to like drag his name through the mud or anything. I don't need to do that. I wish him well, mm-hmm. but, um, wasn't what I signed up for and there were some pretty intense things that went on that I um uh needed therapy for yeah (laughs) and and so being divorced at the ripe age of 19 was something that I did not have in my life plan at any point in time (laughs) so uh, divorced at 19 that that is really hard I mean that yeah Okay, so I I I think you know we're what we're not going to go into the details there. Like you said, like that is that is something that we're not going to be doing. But um, I do want to know uh, just for you, like internally, mm-hmm. um, what what was that low like for you at that at that point? Maybe it was right before the divorce or after. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was definitely the marriage was my low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once I knew what I needed to do in, in like ending the divorce and it's obviously not something I'd take lightly, but for me, absolutely. I knew without a doubt that that was what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't any like, Oh, but he's such a good da 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 or, Oh, we have this going for us. It was like, there is nothing mm-hmm. that I need to hang on here 
Um, and so I had great support from the majority of my family and, um, and I had some friends that really, really brought me through that time. And once it had kind of gone through, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm still very young. I don't have any kids or financial obligations to him. I don't, I'm not tied to that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it felt very freeing and I felt like I could do anything. And, and that was great. Um, and I don't know it. I, I don't really look at it as a low anymore. I can remember being like in such an awful place mm -hmm. mentally during the fizzling of our marriage. But, um, but once it was like done, I felt really like, okay, maybe I can make this right. You know, mm -hmm. maybe I can turn my life around anyway. So, but trying to go into like a dating situation and, um, being so young and divorced, it kind of makes you go, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with her? And it was a little insecure, but I was a little insecure, but it was, uh, short lived. My dating after, after divorcing was very short lived. Cause I met Matt. Um, let's see, divorce was final in March and I met Matt in November. So yeah. Yeah. So what was um, what was the difference for you with Matt when you met him? What did you recognize as different? I think I had to hit kind of a rock bottom with my ex-husband because I had always kind of dated projects. <laughs> when I met Matt, I had dated. There were two very short relationships after my divorce that were really, I think, just in my life to make me feel like he's so put together and so wonderful and mm -hmm. great. And I still like hanging out with him. <laughs> I, not a, a relationship doesn't have to be someone needing me desperately. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be me fixing them and validating them and making them feel amazing. It can be um, you know, back and forth and give and take. It doesn't have to be just all one sided of me giving, giving, giving. Mm. And, um, and so I'm really grateful to those two couple of short, well, there's three that really made me feel like, oh my gosh, he's got his stuff together. I'm not dragging him along through life. And I really enjoy being with him, you know? Anyway, so those, that was helpful. I, I feel like I learned a lot through a lot of the people I dated. And then when I met Matt and he just was so humble and so completely devoted to um, trying to do the right thing, whatever that was, in whatever situation it was, he just wanted to do the right thing. And he still does. And I love that so much about him. I just respect him so much yeah. for how he lives his life. You guys have grown into, I'm, I'm sure, you know, all marriage, we all grow so much as individuals, but as a couple and can grow together. And I just get the sense that you guys are just a power couple and I love that <laughs> you support each other so well. And I wanted to know going at the beginning of, well, I guess tell us, um, you, you got, you guys got married quickly as well, you were saying, or was it just like you quickly met Matt? Um, I met Matt pretty like six months after my divorce. 
Um, and then we were married a year later. Mm-hmm. Like he proposed in August, and we got married in December. So yeah, I mean it, that's pretty quick. But well, I, not I at that age, do... it, that age, it feels like a long time. That's a, right. That's yeah. a decent <laughs> amount of time. To, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Totally. And I, I think that we both knew really early, mm-hmm. really, really early. Like I told him I loved him first. I kissed him first. I was like, I knew that this was the guy that I wanted to be with. Oh, I and that. I think, I think I told him I loved him within like two weeks and that was kind of crazy, but it just felt so impossible for me to keep it in. Like oh, it, it was, yeah. The day after we met, we hung out and we were together every day. You know, from then on. Uh huh. So it was pretty immediate. Anyway. So after you guys did, after you got married, I'm sure anyone who's been through a traumatic divorce and at a young age, they're sure to have fears about marriage. <laughs> and I'm wondering for you, what what were those fears that you had going into marriage with Matt? And how did you overcome those or... um Maybe you didn't have those. So tell us what that was like. Oh, yeah, totally. No, it was interesting because I just said, oh, I just learned all this that I was worthy of someone who had his crap together. Um, But then that was the main thing that we struggled with when we were first dating was that I felt like he didn't need me. That was a new feeling. He didn't desperately need me like some of the other people I had dated. And um and I felt a little overwhelmed by that because I, don't, I just, I guess I just looked at myself kind of as damaged goods mm-hmm. and, um, and he had always done the right thing. And I mean, he's had his struggles too, but he himself had always really tried really hard to, to do the right thing. And I kind of was, <laughs> I kind of was used goods. I felt like. Um, well, that's how you um, estimated yourself after exactly. that, right? Yeah. But yeah. looking so, back, I'm sure you would tell 19-year-old Celeste a different thing. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I learned what I needed to learn to to be ready to be with Matt and to have the life that we've created. Um, I probably, honestly, I probably wouldn't change yeah. that part of my life because... I feel like it's given me a lot of empathy hmm. and um, a lot less judgment. Yeah. So tell me more about what you were saying. I, um, that was something that you had to get over and just realize like a um, a good relationship looks differently than what you thought maybe it was yeah. supposed to look like and how you guys grew together as you were newlyweds as well. Yeah. Um, we... I really, in in our dating and even after we were engaged, um, I really feel like I tried almost to push him away because Mm -hmm. of my kind of insecurities. And he was just not budging. And it just felt really good to to have someone who would come after me. Mm -hmm. I remember my ex-husband would just like, you know, oh, if she's, if we're in a fight and I would take off. He would just let me cool down and that might be the right thing for someone. But I really wanted, I really felt very loved when Matt would come after me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that pathetic? I don't know. No, that's not pathetic. But, yeah, I wanted someone to to kind of fight 
for me and tell me that I wasn't a horrible person and that we could work it out. And he's always done that for me. He's always um, had faith that we can work anything out. And, and he's not just had the faith, but he, he's put the work in, even when I didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> even when I'm kind of like, no, just leave me alone. He's like, nope, we're going to work this out. It's fine. It's going to be fine. And that's a good way to handle me, apparently, because he definitely yeah. makes me feel loved. And... Um, so I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to say what helps you mm-hmm. get over something, but it's just been with time and um, yeah. and within myself a lot of um, just coming to be okay. Not only forgive my ex husband, but also forgive myself hmm. for not having my back in that relationship. So can you tell me more about that then? What made you realize that that was an important step for you, that twofold step of forgiving him and yourself? And how did you go about doing that? Mm. Well, that is a, it can be really philosophical about forgiveness and just do it because um, when you, withhold forgiveness whether that person deserves it or whether that person um has asked for it or not you know when you withhold forgiveness you're really only hurting yourself Mm -hmm. they don't care they're they're gone they're off hurting someone else maybe but but for me it was about uh on a more spiritual level i've been forgiven for so much and um and have done um enough work on um, trying to forgive him that I realized that I had to extend that same grace to myself mm. or or it really doesn't make any sense you know I've I don't know it's it's hard to go into it without getting too like spiritual and expressing my um, my really sacred feelings about Jesus Christ and um I just know that without him, I, I would be nothing. And, um, and that we really all would, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that I'm really no better than my ex-husband really, really no better. And needing that and needing that grace is really an equalizer Mm. because we all need it. And, and the mercy that we, um, we can attain through Jesus Christ is something that I really believe in and I've really felt it make a difference in my life. And, um, and so it doesn't matter if my ex-husband ever cares that I've forgiven him. It doesn't matter if, if he ever apologizes for anything that went on, but I know that if I saw him, I wouldn't have a panic attack like I used to when I would see him, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. but that I would be, I would just be able to wish him well. And I never thought I'd be able to get to that phase. I never thought that I would, um, um, be able to be okay with him existing. You know, I, I really yeah. literally wanted to run up or not run up, excuse me. I really wanted to like tattoo on his forehead. I will hurt you. Oh. And just as a warning to anybody that he ran across. Um, and I don't, I don't know if he's, 
a better person now. I don't know if he's trying harder to not be. Um, I don't know. Anyway, but um, but if he hasn't, it won't be something that I'm going to lose sleep over mm-hmm. um, because because I know he has that ability to reach out to that grace at any time, mm-hmm. just like I do. I can I can feel that what you're saying like that's real in your life and I I don't <laughs> want anyone to feel like they can't talk about that. Um, but I, I'm glad that you would talk about it and I just love to see what a change it's made in your life and even if someone isn't religious they can still take away so much from what you said. I mean I don't know extending grace to yourself is huge and yeah. I think you've been able to look at that time of your life through a different lens and one that includes that grace um that you mentioned yeah. it's beautiful yeah. to see that oh you're sweet i just i don't know if i'm uh vocalizing it very well but no, you i are. feel it <laughs> no you are that was really beautiful celeste um so how long have you and matt been married now um i think it's 15 years this december yeah too yeah 15 so, so you you know you said that um we just talked earlier how you you have grown together so much and I know uh, that you've been through you've been through some hard things too you you talked about um you mentioned that a little bit you know you've you've grown together through some trials and I wanted to know um some about some about what that was for you guys I know the next step um for you after getting married was having children and and um just wanted to know how that all came together through some things you had to work on together and work yeah, through. Of course. We um we went to the U of U and graduated together um about the same time and and that was kind of fun to be going to school together and yeah. working full time together and it was a fun. real like, okay, we're doing this and um mm-hmm. It was fun to have my best friend be my roommate through college and also fun. my husband. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if I was going to do it again, I would probably like I really want to encourage my kids to like go away to school, have roommates, do the fun college thing, because it was very different being married mm-hmm. and going to college. But yeah. but it also it was good. You know, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, and then, so I was pregnant when we graduated and... Um, my pregnancies have been so awesome and so healthy. Like I've been able to work out through the entire time, like right up until I give birth. And, and I'm so blessed. Like that is, that was so, so good. But when I had my oldest, my Sawyer, um, when I had her, I thought it was a great birth experience. I got my epidural. I slept, they woke me up. I pushed twice and there she was. And like, okay, that's, that's lovely. But for my psychology, apparently that doesn't work. I didn't feel like I worked for her. I didn't feel any bonding connection. Um, It took me a long time. Um, And I feel like for me, um, that really spiraled me into a depression. 
mm-hmm. because here I went from being nobody's mom, being able to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, um, to being completely captive to this little ball of need. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was like such something that I hadn't anticipated. Yeah. I, I feel like Matt's super introspective and thinks everything through. And I feel like I just like steamroll my way through life without really thinking about uh-huh. <laughs> what's happening next. It's like, this is what you do. And, mm. and I had not anticipated um, not bonding with her. I had not anticipated postpartum depression. I had nothing like when it hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks from a clear blue sky. And I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And, and I really didn't even get it until I, like two years um, into it when I was having kind of like these feelings of, you know, here I am at an intersection. And if that semi truck T-boned me and I just spilled out my brains on the curb, that would be okay. Everyone would be better off, Mm. you know? Yeah. And, and I, until I got to that extent where I was, I'm sure I was extremely unpleasant to live with. um, But I wouldn't let myself say depression because every you know everybody in my family has depression and I got so lucky I just avoided it I didn't get it and so I had kind of prided myself in that and then for me to be like no girl this is this is what it is this is depression was oh just horrible I I just Mm. didn't admit it so it's a whole other shame factor there then for you yeah yeah and I just put that on myself for sure Mm -hmm. um and so when I got to that suicidal fantasies part, it was like, okay, wait, something's going on here. <laughs> that is not you okay. recognize that. Yeah. I didn't feel like myself and I felt so resentful towards my daughter. And then I felt bad for feeling that way, you know, yes. just guilt on top of guilt. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I got to the point where I was just like, get me out of here. I can't. You know, I had a, I had an escape plan. I was going to go sell churros on the beach and like, churros on the beach. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I just had, like, this idea that if I could just go to the beach, everything would be okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. And Sawyer was a few years old at this point. Yeah, she saying. was too. So was did two. those feelings, like, I'm really glad that you would talk about that timeline, too, because oh, there's so many things here that we expect to be different. I think a lot of moms expect those rushing feelings of joy and euphoria and love when they have that baby um, mm-hmm. placed in their arms. So one, that's one, you know, perception mm-hmm. that you had going into it. And the other is people just think that postpartum depression is like right away. And it can be, yeah. it, both of those things can be different. One, you can connect with your child so gradually it, it might yeah. not come right, right away, but we don't expect that. So there can be shame there when it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And two, you can also decline so gradually and it can come yeah. so much later that people aren't yeah. really They're like, no, you've that. been fine. This is not postpartum. Yeah, no. but it is. Right. It so tell me what rares happened. It's ugly head in so many different ways. Yeah. So what was that like let's then? See. Do you want to know the funniest thing, how I got out of it? Yeah, I want to hear. <laughs> I did a beauty pageant. You did a beauty pageant. The stupidest, like the I would never. That is the thing. I no, love you, it. I, it wasn't like I'm doing this to get out of this, but for me, I had, I had a friend who had done the photography for a beauty pageant. I'm very not a beauty pageant person. 
like modeling and beauty pageants are very very different oh yeah, and, really and I wasn't even really a model anyway it was me all trying to get there but um I had a friend who had done the photography for um a, this married it's like Mrs. Utah mm-hmm. and and she was like wow just some of the ladies were so cool it just seemed like such a great environment to be involved in yeah. and I'm like good for them and she's like no you should totally do it and so she got me and my other friend to kind of sign up for it and then my other friend at the last minute was like ah I have too much going on I can't do this and and I you know I totally could have backed out but something just pushed me towards it and I remember thinking I'm in the car sitting in the parking lot before I go into the first like little meeting and I'm just like what am I doing why am I even pursuing this Uh and I just really felt pushed to do it and I I've had a little bit of at the time and it was probably wrapped up in my depression I had a little bit of like social anxiety mm-hmm. where my I wasn't I am talking so much <laughs> this is the point girl this is the point yeah that's the point you're I'll interrupt my... you if I need to <laughs> All right, I dear. don't though keep my going. family wasn't like super social and um and then Matt's family I come into this giant beautiful amazing gregarious group of people who are all opinionated and loud and hilarious and fun and they all have friends that they've known for 15,000 years and they all you know I remember being at a party at his mom's house once and just like I think I probably hid in a closet because I didn't I just didn't know how to make small talk I I just I didn't know I couldn't keep anyone's name straight I just it just all like fell on top of me at the same time and I remember being really overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and so I kind of like was like, oh, I guess that's who I am. You know, I, I'm not I'm not gregarious. I'm not talkative. I'm awkward. And I kind of at that time, that depression really solidified that in my head of that's who you are. Hmm. And um, and so I'm about to walk into a room of all these beauty pageant chicks yeah. and I don't know a soul. And um, I just about like totally turned around but I remember feeling like if I go home, I have to explain another failure, another thing that I quit. And um, and so I just had this one goal, mm. just to find another person who might be just as awkward as I was and make <laughs> them feel a little bit comfortable. Like yeah. that was my one goal for that one day to get me through it. And the funniest thing was... Um, such as a silly superficial thing as a beauty pageant became my project. It didn't have anything to do with Matt. It didn't have anything to do with Sawyer. It was just something just for me. And um, for no other reason, I wasn't going to win a billion dollars. It wasn't anything. It was just for me. And I learned how to do a dance on stage. I've never been a dancer. Like we did this, you know, and just little things that were so far outside of my comfort zone that I couldn't, um, I had to kind of shake my brain up from my depression. Mm. And so, and it was really such a blessing because I met some really amazing women who have been through some really wretched things and mm. who are just really resilient and beautiful inside, outside, whatever. And, um, 
And in the end, they voted me Mrs. Social Awkwardness, Mrs. Congeniality. Oh, wow. And that is something that I'm probably, like, it's a stupid little Mrs. Congeniality. I mean, it's it's comedic. But to me, it meant so much because that was so outside of where I had started. Um, wow. I love that story. Yeah, it, it, I'm really stinking proud of my Mrs. Congeniality. You should be. That is, that really is, oh wow, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah, it was, it ended up being a really good experience and I have at least one like lifelong bestie from that mm-hmm. and and it's totally worth it just for meeting her, you know, yeah. and, and having that experience was really just amazing. But I mean, that was the thing was, I think my depression may not be categorized as clinical. It was more um, situational Mm -hmm. and obviously hormonal with the postpartum. But um, for it, so I, um, I felt like the beauty pageant saved me from (laughs) from that. (laughs) Well, you know, there, there's something huge that needs to be said from that. And, like you said, you found your project and I think you found a purpose for you. Something, it's just, just weird. outside of, yeah. Yeah. Something outside, I think women and, and men too, we have this perception that really good mothers are a thousand percent devoted to only, you know, their families. And yeah. that is, I mean, obviously what we need from both mom and dad, we need that devotion, but when moms find their own thing outside of motherhood, it makes them better mothers. Yeah. It makes my, them happy. Mm-hmm. My main motto is you can't give from an empty cup. And yeah, that, that and fake it till you make it. That's yes. what I live by. <laughs> that is so one of mine too. I have so many stories I could tell you about that. <laughs> Just make it up. But you know, I, I was caught in the same trap though, as you Celeste. Like motherhood Mm -hmm. didn't come naturally to me at the beginning, which was a huge shock for me because I was a very good middle school teacher before. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was like made to do that, you know, to be a mom after. And then, yeah. And depression has come later for me too, after having some of my kids. And, um, and I, and I, you know, I thought I was being that good devoted mom by not having any other pursuits really. Right. And yeah. since I've just tried even little things like going to a, a class at the gym that's just mm-hmm. for me, that has made me such a better mom. Yeah. Uh, can you share more about what that's been like for you, like the lessons you've learned and, and what you do now as a mom to to have both sides of that in, in place, like that devotion to your family, but that self-care that enables you to give that devotion yeah, I don't have any problem with um, taking my baby as soon as as soon as they are ready to go to the gym, as soon as they're legally allowed to go to yeah. the daycare, the gym, we're there. Because I know that I need those endorphins. I know that I will be a much better mom. And I know that my baby will be a little easier for me to deal with mm-hmm. because I, I, I just can't be one of these moms who's, who never goes out. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I need them to be able to go to uh, to nursery and to be babysat. And so if they learn from an early age that mom comes back, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Then that's good. But yeah, I have, um, I wasn't, I swam in high school, but I wouldn't have called myself an athletic person. Um, 
But I've kind of discovered that I'm really competitive and I really enjoy pushing myself physically. And um, and I've done a lot of different things like um, exercise-wise and stuff over the years. Um, but, yeah, my kids know. Mom, did you go to the gym today? <laughs> my daughter yeah. will ask me. <laughs> yeah. Did, has it been a while since you've been to the gym when I get a little snippy? She Sorry. knows. She knows that That's it's good cute. for mama. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, does the oldest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm pretty regular with that because I don't want my 11-year-old to call me out. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't want that. So yeah. tell me what's your favorite thing to do at the gym? Like what's your go-to workout that I gives you? Have, I have got a really good family of girls that are um, – we do a class called Grit. Um, oh, yeah. Grit is okay, hard. Yeah. That's a hard grit. class. But it, the thing about it is I have this amazing coach and then yeah. – my girls in there are just like we've become like such a little fun family and I really really like can't deal with how much I love it <laughs> and so you are Mrs. Congeniality oh well because I changed the way I thought about myself because of that you know yeah I had to fake it through the pageant uh-huh. and then once it was like you know miss you're Miss Mrs. Congeniality then I'm any time that I get into an awkward social situation, I have to go, no, you are Mrs. Utah congeniality. Yes, you are. <laughs> Put that crown on or sash. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, something. And then I kind of, kind of can like, and obviously with everything else, what you practice and what you give your attention to, that is what you become proficient in. Mm. So so I kind of have to fake it sometimes when I get a little anxious, but it's whatever. It's fine. Yeah, anyway, I so I really, That's I cool. love that and I love lifting. I'm really, this year is when I, that was one of my goals for the year was I really want to get into just doing regular days in the weight room. And I bought a little program and I'm really enjoying that. And that um, I feel like my body's totally responded really well. And when my baby's are 30 pounds a piece and want to be held simultaneously, I can do it. And that is pretty fun. That's amazing. Yeah. Matt said that you can lift more than him. (laughs) He is full of crap. (laughs) He's he's like a, he's a freaking bull. He doesn't, he doesn't work out as regularly as I do, but he's just naturally really, really strong. And I have to work really hard to be a little bit strong. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that how it goes? Those men. I know. He's like, oh, we're going to uh, Jamaica in a couple of weeks. And he's like, oh, I want to lean out. I want to lean out a little bit. So he'll like <laughs> a couple of weeks before. Yeah. He'll he'll cut out like a bowl of cereal at night and he'll drop 15. I'm like, That's you ridiculous. Suck. That's so ridiculous. My husband's the same way. Like we ran a marathon and then right after yeah. he's like, I'm done running. And he lost 20 pounds. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Who loses weight? After? And I'm not kidding. 20 pounds. <laughs> I'm like, you stop working out and you lose 20 pounds. And it wasn't because he was lift we- you know, lifting weights ahead of them. It wasn't muscle. He lost, like, fat. Hey. Yeah. Oh, I rolled my eyes at you. I know. So frustrating. Okay, so I love to hear that you found you have found your thing and you found your people and your, your community. It's awesome. Yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, I've always been blessed with really amazing girlfriends. Yeah. Um my friends from junior high, we are still besties. And, mm. 
I'm so, so lucky with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been nice to, we moved to Las Vegas five years ago and not knowing like hardly anybody at all. And, and it's been great. I love Vegas and there's great people everywhere you go. So that's great nice. to hear that. So, yeah. you know, in addition to those own struggles, I say, so do you think you've gone through that again? When you've had the three other children, or is it oh. like been something you have to be on top of? Um, I, yeah, I'll tell you. Um, after that, uh, you know, I started medicating about two years after I had Sawyer, mm-hmm. and um, did through my next pregnancy because I was like, we just got to find something that's um, safe because yeah. I do not want to go through that again. Yeah, yeah. So I had. Abram and one of funny enough one of my friends that I met through the pageant that one that I was talking about um she was a totally normal person and when she and I were what what kind of an introduction is that she was a totally normal person it makes sense (laughs) in a second she I had heard about this thing called hypnobirthing but the people I had heard it from were hippy dippies and I was like "Mm, yeah you're weird and and then when um, Laura started telling me about hypnobirthing. I was like, you are normal. And what? Mm-hmm. You know, then I'm interested because I didn't have these prejudgments about her. Um, yeah. Normalized anyway, so it for you. Huh? Yeah. Have you heard of hypnobirthing? I I did it myself. You did? Oh, now we have so much to talk about. I was Here, not me. as uh, calm as I heard you were. <laughs> I didn't work for the calmness. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... Abram's but for birth- you, it was awesome, huh? It was empowering. It was amazing. And the fact really? that Matt had gone to all the classes with me really made it a team effort and really was a bonding thing. And um, and I had I Abram that. in a hospital without any drugs and I had no pain and it was beautiful and I Holy loved it. Holy cow. That's so crazy. Yeah, it was good. It That's was really amazing. good. So-, <laughs> so I had taken... Um, uh, I don't know which pill I was on, but I was on an antidepressant throughout that. And, and then, um, through nursing him and stuff and geez, when did I stop medicating? I don't know. It was when we moved here, mm-hmm. when we moved to Vegas, I hadn't found a doctor yet. And it's like palm trees and sunshine. And mm-hmm. I, when I ran out of meds, I didn't renew anything. So I haven't been taking anything since then. Um, and it's been okay. Yeah. I feel like I feel like for me, um, taking more ownership of my birth major helped. Also, I was medicating, wow. yeah, but, um, but still, yeah, taking more ownership and feeling like more of an expectation of how motherhood is, and kind of an understanding of, yeah, you might feel like you're attached to this baby right now. And you can't go to a concert and you can't work out and you can't do this and you can't, you're not even the same person, but it's a phase mm-hmm. and eventually he's going to wean and eventually, you know, cause with Sawyer, it was like, I'm never going to be that person again. Mm-hmm. I'm now a mom, I'm now a walking boob and yeah. this is all I'm ever going to be. And so, um, you know, that's one thing I didn't understand about being a mom was how short lived each phase is, you know, just as soon as you think you're going to lose your mind with the teething, the teething stops. And just as soon as you think you know what you're doing, they move on to the next phase. Yeah. So it's a True. blessing and a curse. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, 
but there's so many different phases and some are your favorite and some are not. And just wait a few minutes and you'll be into the next one, you know? So that was, I think, majorly exasperating with my depression um, because I just don't understand how lived everything is. And then with Abram, um, between Sawyer and Abram, I had two miscarriages back to back. And, um, and so they're back to back. Yeah. Yeah. They're four and a half years apart because of that. And, Mm. um, and I think that gave me the time and the space to kind of be like, kind of, um, figure out my identity as a mom. And then also that I had an identity just as Celeste Davis and, Mm -hmm. and I'm still my own person and I can still go rock out at a concert and, (laughs) you know, and I can still be who I've always enjoyed being, but I can be, uh, other things too. Cause I'm now a mom and I'm a better wife and I'm anyway. So just re identifying who I am. Mm really was powerful to me so that probably helped with me not having depression after Abram too mm-hmm. um and then with my two babies that I had here in Vegas um I felt really you know like I said my pregnancies are super healthy and super drama free and my labors have been really great too no complications whatsoever and um and so I did home birth with the two here uh, and obviously that's not for everybody, but I felt really good about it. And mm-hmm. I like legitimately think that for me, taking ownership of my birth really helps me bond with my kids and really helps me feel empowered and awesome. And who doesn't want to feel that way right when they're beginning to be a new mom. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, that was the right thing to do. And, and we are, you know, five minutes from a hospital and I had midwives who were super, um, cautious you know yeah I would interview like when I was interviewing midwives ladies would be like I only have a you know two percent that I have to take to the hospital and I'm like I don't know if that's something you should brag about like yeah (laughs) like you should if something's awry you should go I don't I don't look at that as a plus I don't anyway um so I doing that was really really awesome. And I thought I'd be able to home to hypnobirth. And that's probably why I felt confident going into doing a home birth. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking, Oh, I didn't use any drugs with Abram. And so I'll be fine doing it at home. But Beckett, the little stinker <laughs> came out so fast yeah. that I could not, I was like you, I could not get on top of it. I mm-hmm. was not calm. I was, it was not a hypnobirth on any so level, hard. but but it was awesome. Like mm-hmm. I would give birth to him once a month if I could, because I felt so. It was really fast for mm-hmm. one. For one, it went really fast. But um, but I felt like really, just like I was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, really I love that. That's okay to say, right? I think so, because that is something that I really. Oh, a woman's creative sharing with God and giving birth and bringing people to this world is so, ha, that is dear to my heart. That mm-hmm. is something that I just think is so sacred and um, it's obviously undervalued and trodden underfoot in this world. And um, I don't buy into that. I believe mm-hmm. it's very sacred and very special and um, 
that's it's pretty awesome it's pretty awesome so you might make me reconsider (laughs) (laughs) that Uh, i mean that does sound so what what you're saying there though is the um, the sense of choice in it and and you feeling empowered and like Mm -hmm. you are doing what you were made to do and I love that. That's so great to hear how that experience or those yeah. experiences were for you. Well, whatever kind of birth you have, like be educated about what's right for you. Like that mm-hmm. is the thing. Yeah. Um, whereas me, you know, going into giving birth with Sawyer, it was like, well, what do people do? They go yeah. to the hospital. I had no thought into it, no research, no nothing, do you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I didn't like think about what kind of a birth I wanted. I didn't think about um, anything. I just like put me in the machine. Let's get this that baby was out. Your steamrolling side, right? Yeah, totally, totally. So I've learned to be a little bit more, I guess, introspective and asking for what I need from myself. Like mm. I have to understand what I need first, and then I can ask it and I can create it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I think that was our quote right there. I love that. (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh. Okay. So I could talk to you so much more about, oh, so many things. (laughs) Yes. But long. Oh, no, no. I I just, I I feel like we just need to move next door to each other. Yes. What I I want to do, though, is I want to hear about your lesson from the past, or I'm sure you've had several, but one that you're willing to share with us. This is the last question I always ask people is, what have you learned about yourself? And I usually say the past 10 years or the past few years, if that's better for you. Mm, I just feel like... um, Something that I've really internalized is that it's never too late to create the kind of a life that you want or to uncreate the kind of a life that you're not cool with. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing. Um, Like in just changing your thinking, not even changing your circumstances, but changing your thinking about them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, like I, my example, as far as with the, um, Mrs. Congeniality, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was ever really socially awkward. I don't know. You know, I'm not very introspective, like I said, and you don't really perceive yourself as accurately as other people do. But, but I had told myself that. Mm-hmm. And then when I had a new story to tell myself, I created a, a different reality for me you know I, I looked at things differently and looked at who I was differently just like when I had to change who I thought I was when I became a mom mm-hmm. um, it was just in my thinking it wasn't in uh, yeah I definitely I mean that's a big change going from not a mom to a mom that's a huge change but the thing that created a problem for it was the way that I thought about it. It was, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be able to do this again. You're never going to be yourself again. All the things that you enjoy are done. Um, that was my thinking. And then when I was able to change my thinking, no, you can do that again. You will. You just have to work around, you know, getting a babysitter. You know, it's really not that big of a deal. So it's never, it's never too late to enjoy your life 
it's never too late to um, feel like you have more control over something, even if it's just as simple as changing the way you think about it. Wow, I don't know. Celeste. That's what I'm working on the most. That That's is awesome. I... Well, just Thanks. hearing how, hearing your, your whole story, it, I can see the growth. Like I can, I feel like I'm talking to, if I had talked to the 19 year old you and who you are now, I, I feel like I would be talking to two different people in the way that you view yourself and your life yeah. and the struggles that you go through and big, big applause to you for learning that. And I'm so glad that you would share that all with us tonight. And thank you very much for doing that. Thank you. Wasn't Celeste awesome? We really have forged a great friendship from this and I get a big kick out of her sense of humor. And I learned so much from how she refused to let life dictate her happiness. I'd love to hear what you learned from Celeste. So you can direct message me, email me, or tag me in your posts using the hashtag about progress podcast. Last week, I told you we were getting close to 100,000 downloads, and we are even closer. Almost there, you guys. I'll have a giveaway when we get there. And I do have to thank all of you, though, who have subscribed and left reviews and shared this podcast with people who you think could benefit from it. So this this number that we're almost, we're almost to, it's because of you. Thank you. Let's do a quick do something highlight today, which is short for do something that scares you. It's a campaign I started uh, to challenge people to do something that scares them, whether it's big or small. And today's highlight comes from someone who emailed me, Katie Larson. She told me about how she knew nothing about nutrition or cooking when she got married. But after having children, she decided that she needed to be the gatekeeper to helping her children have access to good, healthy food. So she began checking books out of the library and over the course of two years taught herself about nutrition and how to cook. And here's a little snippet about what she said about this process. Quote, over the course of two years, I've gone from not knowing how to navigate the produce section to now knowing the caloric difference between carbs, protein, and fat and how to balance my plate accordingly. Before meal planning and grocery shopping felt like the most daunting task ever. Now I know how much my family will eat, which recipes to result in leftovers and how to shop on a budget. These may be normally acquired life skills for most people, but for me, it was not. One of the first indicators that told me I was succeeding was my husband mentioning our delicious meals and everyday casual conversation to friends, coworkers, etc. Katie shared more about the lessons she learned from this two year period. And I have copied what she wrote and put those directly in the show notes for you. So you can read more about what she said. Thank you so much, Katie. And good job. Additionally, Katie nominated so many incredible people to be on the show, and I've been reaching out to them, and some are going to be on soon. You can do that, too. You can share your own Do Something highlight or someone else's, or you can nominate someone to be on the show by contacting me at packerprogress at gmail.com or by direct messaging me on Facebook or Instagram, and I'm there at About Progress. Next Wednesday, I will have my special but informal monthly podcast where I just talk about a theme I've been thinking about lately. This episode coming up will be based on the theme, fake it till you make it. So come back next Wednesday for that episode. And until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. 
Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.